How are we doing, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Big D Podcast on Spunky Spectrum Sports. My name is Alex. I will be with you today. And uh, as make sure, make sure uh, if you are uh, logging into uh, Spunky Spectrum Sports on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the page, like the video, comment below, let us know uh, your opinions on the takes we have on the show. And uh, like I said, make sure you subscribe so you see uh, every new episode coming up. But, uh, you know, with me, as always, we've got uh, Dylan here. How you doing, Dylan? Uh, I'm fine, Alex. How about you? I'm doing fantastic, you know. Uh, we already went through free agency. We, uh, we got some uh, – uh, now we uh, just passed through the draft, you know, one of the most exciting times of the year. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm excited about that. I'm going to talk about a couple different things today. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. Well, uh... I'm not sure if you were excited to see what happened at Old Trafford yesterday where uh, Manchester United supporters uh, near rioted, uh, broke every COVID rule in the book yesterday. Yeah, you know, um, definitely wasn't, I don't know if riots, I mean, it I would have been a, a small-scale riot. I think it was more of a... Uh, excitable protest i would say but um you know it's it's world football is very is in a very unique spot right now because of obviously the super league and uh how that fell through and the reactions to that and uh you know manchester united supporters have been uh glazers out for for quite some time before even before the super league so you know, after all this Super League stuff, not telling the fans about anything, not even telling the coaches or players about anything, um, you know, it was it was bound to happen. I think everyone knew it was going to happen. It was an organized protest. It was, uh, you know, definitely, you know, they're passionate over there in Europe. I mean, especially uh, these uh, top flight Premier League teams, the top half of the teams, you know, uh, it, it gets it gets serious. And, and when, when you, someone threatens to... Uh, change how how football in england or i mean all across europe has uh has grown into i mean we we know it's it's been this way for years top four of the premier league make champions league you know it's the biggest european tournament in the world it it in my opinion it seems perfect and why they would ever try and change that obviously we know it was about greed it was about money um why they would try and change that though just blows my mind because it's just i mean it it seems perfect to me the way it is with with uh you know uh individual leagues across the different countries in europe and then the champions league and the in the uh, europa league to uh find the best of the best so uh you know i'm not i'm not surprised about the protest yesterday i'm not surprised it happened uh, but it was unfortunate that the uh, that it got a little out of control for sure and that the game had to get postponed were you surprised? Um, do you think it, the protest would have happened even if it was the biggest game in England between Liverpool and Manchester United? What if it had been Southampton? Would fans have rioted in the same manner I, they did yesterday? You know, I, like I said, I think it was organized. I think I think it was planned. I think the reason why the protest was on that day was because it was Liverpool. I mean, if we were playing Southampton or, or you know, any of those uh, mid uh, or mid to lower table teams, <laughs> Arsenal, I know. But uh, if it, you know, I, 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 th the, I think the protest. I'll just say this: the protest was inevitable. 
um, whether it was yesterday or in a couple weeks, they were going to pick a big game for it that had national attention, honestly. I mean, everyone in the world, every football fan in the world knows the rivalry between Liverpool and United and how big of a game that is. I'm sure it wasn't only England paying attention to that. But, um, you know, I the, the protest was inevitable. I think, um, you know, they, they picked the Liverpool game because it's it's Liverpool. If that game happened in two weeks, I think the protest would have been in two weeks. If it happened next week, it would have been uh, – if the game was next week, it would have happened next week. I think, the, I think that the choice of the Liverpool game was very calculated for sure. To be honest, it was – in these COVID times where fans aren't even allowed, it was odd seeing – United supporters going everywhere, destroying cameras, getting onto the pitch. I think I even heard some reports that some fans went in like the dressing room. I mean, is that was that the craziest thing you've ever seen in Old Trafford? And remember, this is a stadium that's hosted umpteen thousand United games. It's hosted Champions League finals. That hosts the best women's football match in my lifetime between Canada and the U.S. nine years ago at the London Olympics. Is that the craziest thing you've ever seen? You know, craziest thing at Old Trafford? No. Uh, you know, it, I, this didn't surprise me. Like, I I, I mean, maybe it, maybe it's different for me as a United supporter, but and and being so pro-Glazers out for the last couple of years, I mean, and especially as an American United supporter, because the Glazers are obviously relevant and uh, – United States, as well as they're in England, owning the the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and especially as a Floridian, you know the Glazers are are, are local to us. So I mean, I've been very uh, involved. Not I wouldn't say involved, but um, I, I I've been very uh, interested in in the Glazers out movement. You know, I've been a United supporter for a long time, and um, it's it's I when, I mean when I started watching United, it was it was the Rooney. Sir Alex Ferguson, Skulls, Giggs era. I mean, it, it was a completely different world back then. So obviously, after Sir Alex retired, things have uh, changed a little bit. Uh, unfortunately, not quite for the better. But um, so the uh, the Glazers have definitely been a uh, a large scapegoat alongside Ed Woodward um, for United supporters everywhere. So I wasn't. It really wasn't very shocking to me to see. I mean. I, I was a little surprised to see the fans get on the field. Yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, I mean, those those European soccer fans, Manchester United uh, supporters, they're they're as loyal as they come. They're as passionate as they come. I mean, football is the world there over uh, to them and, and to us. And uh, you know, passion when when you're passionate about something strong enough, I mean, you're gonna go through a lot of uh, you're gonna do what it takes. And you know, honestly, if they were just to be completely honest with you, if they were just chanting green and gold till the club gets sold and had Glazers outside, Glazers out signs yelling at the bus, the message wouldn't have come across as, as strongly. But the fact that they, I mean, I, I think one police officer got hurt. It wasn't, it was for the most part a, a peaceful protest. It got a little out of hand in a couple different spots, but I mean, there's not, there wasn't anyone beating people and, and really like trying to beat the, beat the crap out of people. It was, they were there to make a point, make a statement. And by getting on the pitch, I think honestly, it, it, it got the message out as loud as it possibly could have. So, you know, I'm not saying break into your local football stadium and, 
score bicycle kicks uh, on the Stratford end. But uh, as I saw on Twitter, a couple of people were, uh, they brought a lot of soccer balls into that stadium. So there's a couple of fans who uh, had a once in a lifetime opportunity to score at the Stratford end. But, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not saying you should be breaking into stadiums, but you know, when there's, when there's something that you're passionate about and, and United supporters are very passionate about the Glazers out movement, it didn't surprise me. And I, uh, honestly, it really wasn't even that crazy to me. I mean, Give me Rooney's bike over that moment any day against City any day of the week. So what do you think will happen? Do you think that there will be changes potentially with the ownership? Because as you know, the Glazers own the Tampa Bay Bucks. I mean, there's talk potentially not just with United, but also potentially looking at new ownership because the Cronkies have spent one umpteen billion on that new sta- new stadium for the LA Rams. I mean you wonder if there could be new ownership with Austin. I mean could there do you think there'd be any changes at Manchester United as a result of me of course Ed Woodward left uh, what a few weeks ago. Right. You know, um I think it's it, it's it's more likely now than it has been in more recent years. I mean, obviously, the Glaciers have burned a lot of money out of that club. Uh, they've put a lot of money into it. They've taken a lot of money out of it and um, taken even more money out of it, I should say. You know, if if it's definitely getting close. I think it's as close as it ever has been to the Glazers selling it. Uh, obviously, Manchester United's biggest club in the world it top i mean in my opinion it's the biggest club in the world hated adored but never ignored um i think i think do i think the glaciers are going to sell obviously there's changes with the ed woodward so that's one step that united fans are 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 happy about the the glazers seem pretty happy with their uh cash cow that they have in manchester united and Obviously, that stock is dropping. Obviously, they don't have the the support of the supporters, which I'm not sure if that means that much to them. I I, I think the time is definitely getting closer that they're going to sell. I, I think it's starting to become a little bit of a headache for them. They know that they're hated by the by the supporters. They know that they're not that that uh, no one is really happy with the Glazers there. Money. Uh, I, I've I've been seeing uh, reports that that shirt sales have been dropping uh, through Adidas uh, for the kits. I mean, it's not as lucrative, I, I believe, as it has been uh, in years past. I think, I I I I think it's leaning more towards that they might sell. I think that they they might want to put their money elsewhere and and might just want to get rid of the headache that it's kind of becoming for them. I think. Maybe the maybe the Glazers should let Tom Brady run Manchester United. He seems to be okay. I mean, look at the Bucks that went from no show to Super Bowl. I mean, could Tom Brady be the go to quarterbacks and ownership? Boy, if Tom Brady owned, uh, took over Manchester United, that would be that'd be a uh, a crossover event I didn't see coming. You know, I, I did see a funny uh, Conor McGregor tweeted. Uh, uh, right out for the Super League, uh, he tweeted, uh, what, "What do you guys think about me purchasing Manchester United?" So I'd much <laughs> rather see McGregor own. Uh, you know, he just he just made what six hundred million dollars, I think, selling his uh, selling his uh, whiskey five five hundred million something like that, selling his whiskey company proper number twelve. So you know, he's he, he just had a big influx of cash. You know, I 
I, I'd rather see, I think, McGregor in charge than uh, Tom Brady. But yeah, you know, yeah. keep 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 the city of Tampa away, city of Tampa Bay away from Manchester United for a little bit. I think. I think having some Irish whiskey, some Irish whiskey on Tampa, I mean, on United might be better than the super than this uh, awful, pathetic, failed Super League. But that's a story for another day. That it is. Uh, you want to move on? Want to get into the second half of the episode? I think that's a. I think it's a good segue time. So, uh, as I uh, teased a little bit before, you know, NFL New Year. What better time of the year, other than opening day, is it than the NFL draft? I mean, all thirty-two teams. This is their chance to uh, to to build up their rosters with young guys. Hopefully, pay them hundreds of millions of dollars over the next years when they pan out to be all pros. You know, it's it's one of the most exciting times of the year, and uh, especially for uh, I see your little Jaguar totem guy behind you. You know, I think no one was more excited this year uh, than Jacksonville Jaguars fans. So, talk to me about the draft. I mean, what what were your thoughts from uh, any uh, teams you, you thought did uh, drafted exceptionally well? First off, first off, pinch me. Did we take Trevor Lawrence? I'm confused now. <laughs> Not only did you take Trevor Lawrence, you took uh, you took his boy Travis Etienne. Nice little Clemson double double dip there in the first round for you. Death Valley, Death Valley to Duval County. There you go. Well, I would say. What, what do you think about that Etienne? Uh, I think he. I, well, going back to Florida day, Florida and Ohio State days, every mile one speed and. Ethan brings a lot of speed. I don't think Aaron Miles is just going to use him as a running back. He may be on kick, punt return, potentially a slot guy. I think Ethan brings a lot of mobility. To be honest, I think Aaron Miles wanted Kadarius Tony at 25, but the Giants took him at 20. So Ethan's yeah. not a bad plan being plus the Lawrence-Ethan connections. Not bad, but – uh. I think there were three or four teams that nailed the draft. I think Jacksonville's draft was really good. Of course, getting Lawrence, but Etienne, the uh, George, I think we drafted the uh, second Georgia corn. Then we drafted a little from Sanford, who could be interesting, didn't play in 2020, mm-hmm. barely playing 2019, but it's got a lot of ability, a big tackle. We desperately need Lyman there. And then fourth round drafted a potential seal of a defensive lineman, but there were three or four other teams that nailed their drafts. Uh, one of them was Cleveland. I mean, the Browns have done a great job in the offseason getting yep. getting defensive backs galore, and then in the first round, they got a Newsom, the corner from Northwestern, and then in the second round, they drafted the uh, linebacker out of Notre Dame, Jeremiah Russo-Kilmore, who many people thought could have been a day one pick, ended up being late day, late second round. So Cleveland has really yeah. shored up its defense. Another team that did well in draft day, the LA Chargers. Uh, I don't know how Rashad yeah. Slater fell to them at 13, but I think whether he's a tackle or called Slater is will be a big presence in Joe and uh, Justin Herbert's potential, and then getting Asante Samuel, the Chargers in a corner. 
And many people felt Samuel would have been a day one pick. They got him in the middle of second round. And then uh, the Chargers also drafted Josh Fulham out of Tennessee, brings a lot of potential. I mean, ten, you may not watch college football like I do, but Tennessee's quarterback situation in the last few years has been ugh, ugly. Yeah. It's been bad. And I think Fulham's got yeah, a lot of ability. And the third team that nailed this draft, you may think I'm crazy. You may yeah. think I'm nutty. The Miami Dolphins absolutely nailed the draft. I was hoping you'd say that. I really loved your first two picks. I think J- I think Jalen Water and two will be be honest with you right now, I think Jalen Water will lead the NFL in uh, 50-yard touchdown. Sorry, Cheetah, but I think Jalen Water could be very interesting because there's one thing Tua did well in Alabama was throw the deep ball. Yeah. What can Jalen Water do? Run. <laughs> and catch a deep – run past the defensive back and catch a deep ball. Yeah. And also at 18, I really like Jalen Phillips. I know he dealt with a lot of knee injuries at UCLA, but I think he's got a lot of potential. I mean, how often do you find the best pass rusher in the draft at 18? Usually they're like at three or four, yep. not yep. 18. And then in the second round, you drafted uh, Holland, a safety from Oregon and Leon Etchenberg, who a lot of people thought could have been a late day one, early day two pick. Some people even thought the Jags might take him at 33, but Etchenberg uh, will help Miami build even more depth on his D-line. And then you drafted the uh, Hunter Long, the tight end of yep. Boston College in the third round. So you've got you've got – we're going to find out this year how good two is because there aren't any excuses now. You've Absolutely. got the you've got you've got the offensive line. You've got an, more than enough weapons. I mean, trust me. Look at Miami's weapons; they're way better than your other teams. Yeah. No, I, you know, I I think you nailed your picks. I think I think those three teams uh, did a fantastic job. You know, I. It's it's going to be a little hard to follow up because those were pretty much the teams that I was going to talk about a little bit. But just to just to bounce off, obviously, you know, I got to talk about my boys. You know, I I think our first four. Sorry, my camera bugged out for a second. I think our first four picks honestly could have potentially in the right spots been first rounders. I mean, I the the work that Chris Greer did in this draft. You know, if you told me the day before that the Miami Dolphins would have selected Jalen Waddle at six without trading back, I would have been a little disappointed. But after bring look after the dust settles and after I'm looking at our draft and I look at Jalen Waddle and I and I'm reading these quotes from Chris Greer and Brian Flores, Jalen Waddle was their number one receiver. Jalen Waddle was their number two guy on their board behind Trevor Lawrence, from what I'm hearing, you know, Kyle Pitts, if he was there, who knows if Kyle Pitts would have been the pick over, uh, over Jalen Waddle. But I, I really, and you know, obviously general managers are always going to say that the guy that they picked was the guy that they wanted. They're never going to be like, Oh, we, we, we didn't want this guy, but he was the guy there. So we took him. But I mean, 
when you really think about it and 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 think about the team that the Miami Dolphins have, Jalen Waddle just seems to fit in perfectly with what we needed. I mean, you've got Devontae Parker on the outside. You've got uh, Preston Williams on the outside. You've got Kenny Stills, who obviously is the speed Kenny demon. Kenny Stills is gone. I, I, I just said Kenny Stills. <laughs> what you said? 20. I'm mixing up. I'm mixing up my Houston Texan receivers. Uh, yeah, obviously I met Will Fuller, uh, the speed demon that's uh, hopefully going to be uh, what we all hope Jakeem Grant was, but didn't have the hands to be uh, as long as he stays healthy. And now you've got this electric player in Jalen Waddle, who you can really move around the offense. He doesn't, I mean, obviously he's going to be a great asset for the slot, you know, hit him on the quick slants and let him just book off and make a play. You know, obviously everyone said Tua was a slant, uh, a slant throwing quarterback. He can't throw the deep ball in the NFL, but if you've got a guy like Jalen Waddle, who you can hit on a five, five yard in route or a quick slant or a drag across the middle. And that man makes one player miss. He could be gone. I mean, so you 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 look at the you look at the other receivers that uh you know the the big top three, Jamar Chase is he a a a great talent receiver? Absolutely. Is would he have been the best fit in Miami? You know, he's a great receiver, but when you're really looking at it, I really think Jalen Waddle. And then you also look at Devontae Smith. Obviously. Great talent, Heisman winning trophy, uh, tr- uh, Heisman Trophy winner, catches everything that's thrown to him. However, you look at the the other receivers on the roster. Is he as good of a fit as Jalen Waddle? I don't think so. Chris Greer didn't think so, and uh, I think a lot of Dolphins fans are very happy uh, after the dust settled and very excited to see Tua throw to Jalen Waddle. You know, uh, Jalen Phillips again. You know, you pick the Miami boy, you keep him Miami. I mean, obviously, he's had he had to medically retire uh, while he was playing college football. A little bit of risk there with the uh, with the injury history in the past, but if 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 he, I mean, if that man stays healthy, he could be the next Jason Taylor. I mean, it, it's I I really do think that the man has extreme talent rushing the quarterback, extreme talent on that defensive end uh, spot. You know, obviously Miami traded away a defensive end in the offseason to pick up uh, that uh, McKinney. I can never remember. Uh, Is it McKinney? I guess it is McKinney, yeah, from from Houston. Uh, So a a pass rusher was definitely something we needed. And like you said, I mean, I think we got the best one in the draft at 18. Doesn't happen very often. Uh, and then shout out, I, I love the Liam Etchenberg pick. And then shout out that Hunter Long pick. You know, Mel Kuyper loves him. Obviously, Mel Kuyper uh, has some hit or miss takes. Uh, but, I mean, he's the number one guy in the business for a reason, uh, in the draft business for a reason. So, I, I, if, he's ha- if he says that Hunter Long was his number two tight end behind Kyle Pitts, I'm happy with him at, uh, what, 81 overall. Uh, but, you know, I – it's just crazy looking at this draft. You got the two first rounders, the two second rounders, a third rounder, and then two seventh rounders. Did a bunch of trading during the Miami Dolphins draft, but I really think uh, we picked up uh, I picked up a, uh, a a fourth round pick from uh, Pittsburgh, I believe, in the uh, in next year's draft. You know, I think after that third round, they saw their picks. They were really happy. They want to add that draft capital like the like we know Chris Greer loves to do. 
and they said, screw it. We'll, we'll uh, just wait till the seventh round and pick a couple more guys. So, you know, I, I love the Miami Dolphins draft class. And like you said, and you hit the nail on the head and you said Tua has no, when you said Tua has no excuses this year. I mean, this, this might be the, the strongest offense I've ever seen as a Miami Dolphin fan. And uh, uh, I think it's Tua's time to shine. So uh, what team do you think, do you say didn't have that strong of a draft? A team that didn't, you know, the one thing that the one thing that jumps out at me uh, is, uh, you know, obviously when we were talking before the draft, you uh, you had a uh, a take that Mac Jones was gonna go was gonna go three, and uh, obviously San Francisco went with Trey Lance. Mac Jones started dropping. And he fell to New England, and New England decided uh, to take the chance on the Alabama quarterback. I really don't know if he's the guy. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be the guy for the Bill Belichick offense. Obviously, if anyone can uh, pull, uh, if anyone can pull a quarterback together, it's going to be Bill. You know, uh, but I, I'm not. I'm not so sure that uh, New England really did enough to make the step in the, cause the AFC East is looking tough, man. I mean, obviously they had a good free agency, but um, I was a little disappointed in their draft. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I, I think, I mean, you know, Mac Jones, who knows, he could surprise me. I didn't see, I wasn't as high on Mac Jones as, as I think uh, a lot of people were. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in, in New England with him, Cam. I mean, obviously, there's been the Garoppolo rumors. But, um, you know, I, I'm not so sure that that is the guy for them. But uh, who's a team that, that you didn't weren't too uh, pleased with their draft? Hmm. I think they were – I don't know if they were – teams that absolutely stunk on draft day. There were a couple of draft picks that befuddled me. Uh, the Raiders taking Alex Leatherwood at 17 didn't make a whole lot of sense. I'm trying to think. Right. I was surprised the Broncos didn't take a quarterback in this draft because, be honest, I be honest, when the Broncos were on the clock at 9, I'm thinking they're going to take Justin Fields, and I'm like, Justin Fields is going to be in Denver. And then the Broncos took Patrick Sertan, which probably made the Cowboys make a couple moves. <laughs> I mean, you know, I think most teams got what they needed. I mean, I mean it's a question. I mean, I'll tell you. Guys, go ahead. Sorry, I'll tell you a team who uh, who didn't do much in the in the draft, and that's Seattle. And the only reason why I say that is they had three picks in the entire draft. Well, I mean, yeah, got, because of picked, the Jamal uh, Adams move. Yeah, so Seattle uh, had picked fifty six overall in the second in the second round. They picked a receiver who I find very interesting because obviously DK Metcalf is one of the uh, most talented young, young up and coming receivers in the NFL. Tyler Lockett um, has been uh, a, a very solid one, a one B guy, depending on uh, who they're playing. 
Uh, so it, with only with only having limited options, I'm not so sure a, a wide receiver was was the best option for them. Uh, they drafted, uh, and then they had to wait for the fourth round where they drafted a uh, Trey Brown cornerback out of Oklahoma. You know, I, I and then in the sixth round, an offensive tackle from Florida. I mean, three picks. I mean, I I, I guess Seattle is is uh, either. I mean, it, it, they didn't really have much of a choice, but uh, I guess they uh, didn't see. You know, th- this was a stacked draft. I mean, like you said, it's hard. It's hard to pick teams that really blew this draft because there was so much talent in this draft. This, I, I think, this has been one of the most loaded drafts that I've seen in a long time. So I feel like we're almost nitpicking a little bit here. But uh, you know, just just the fact that that with Seattle knowing they only had three picks and. Uh, taking a receiver with their first selection was a, a little confusing for me. But then again, but, it's like the Seahawks always in Super Bowl contention. Right. I guess, I guess, I guess if you're, uh, if you're one of those teams that, uh, you can always uh, add a little uh, flare picks uh, every once in a while, but. Just interesting that I don't I don't necessarily think receiver was a, was a position of need for them and uh, only having three picks picking one with that first selection did did throw me off a little bit. Uh, Green Bay not taking a quarterback was a little interesting. Well, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're saying Green Bay not taking a quarterback? Oh, no, 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 they took no, no. one last year. They took one last year. That's right. My fault. You're right. I mean, at You're this point, you want at this point you want Aaron Rodgers hosting Jeopardy. I mean, I don't. What's going on with him? It, it doesn't really seem like he wants to be in Green Bay. I mean, if if they think, uh, if if they if they're happy with, uh, I can't even remember who they drafted last year. Jordan, it's Jordan Love. Love, right? Jordan Love. I mean, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting boat over there in Green Bay right now. That that's 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 for sure. Because I uh, one of my best friends over here in Fort Myers is a Packers fan and. He is nervous for uh, what's going to happen with that. But. What does he think that Aaron Rodgers is going to the AFC West? I don't know. I'm almost wondering. You know, I'm almost wondering, is he going to retire? I Ooh. I mean, it doesn't seem like he, the cap space isn't great for, for a team to, to – I, I mean, if, if Green Bay cut him, it would be a, a huge hit to them. If they trade him – it's a big contract to move. I mean, it's it's a the the Aaron Rodgers situation is is very very interesting right now. I'm I'm very interested to see how that works out because I mean he does not seem happy at all. But it's it, it it's crazy to think about him playing for another team. You know, obviously he uh, he was very honored to be the host of Jeopardy, and uh, I think he he's he said he would be very in- interested in taking that role full time. I mean, can you do that and play in the NFL? Does he really like that hosting Jeopardy job that much? I mean, obviously the man can get a job until the day he dies, whether it's analyst or in the booth or even coaching if he wanted to, I'm sure. I mean, who knows? But, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is an interesting guy. Would he, would he, would he hang him up to host Jeopardy? Who knows? I mean. I, th- I personally think Aaron Rodgers is going to Denver because you look at it, who finished his whole thing career in Denver? Uh, Peyton Manning. And what do the Broncos need right now? 
Quarterback. Mm, yeah. And what do the Broncos have that the Packers want? A young, skilled receiver in Jerry Judy. You think, yeah? I mean, for the reigning M- uh, MVP of the league, you know, that's, that's going to be one of the biggest hauls, I think, that we've seen. And there's been a lot of big hauls lately, but... I mean, if 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 Denver can, if Denver can make that happen, props to them. Obviously, I mean, Aaron Rodgers may not be in his prime. He might be a little past his prime, but he's still Aaron Rodgers, and any team in the league would be happy to have him. So, you know, I, I it, it'd be crazy to see him wearing a different uniform. But you know, I mean, you make good points there with Denver. Yeah, I'll be interested to see where Aaron Rodgers uh, winds up, whether it's in Green Bay, Denver, or Jeopardy. So, <laughs> so uh, thanks for hopping on the uh, podcast, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Thanks for having me, Dylan. Always a great time.